Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. You are about to listen to the dark forest Let's give you the info about it First of all, you know the websites dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com, if you like a determiner, jackiecation.com, has everything. All my podcasts, including uh, videos of my stand-up, my stand-up schedule, merchandise you can purchase if you would like, and a lot more info than you possibly even need. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and produced and composed that song at the beginning of the show. He sang with his wife, Sarah. It's very beautiful. At the end of the program, he sings his version of the Mexican hat dance. That's Mike Rickberg. Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He is uh, the web designer over there. And Patrick Brady fixes the audio. And in this case, there's a video intro. Very exciting. Anyway, those are the websites. If you want to support the show, you're doing it already by listening to it or watching it. And Another way is to tell your friends and family, go on iTunes, do a review. Another way is to just give me money. Yeah. You could go use the donate button. You can make it even monthly if you're okay with making things monthly. You do a PayPal monthly. There's a monthly choice on PayPal. The PayPal is a button on the Jackie Cation or the Dork Forest website, and it goes directly to me. Thank you very much. I will use it wisely or foolishly. Your call as well. Now. My email address, Jackie at JackieCation.com, is where you can contact me if you have any questions or concerns and about the Dork Forest. And I do have a Venmo account. It's Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. Another way to support the show is on DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. There's an Amazon link. And the Amazon link just takes you to Amazon. You order like normal, and it supports the show because you came from JackieCation or DorkForest.com. Very exciting. Other than that, oh, there are, there is a band camp. You can, if you have listened to all the episodes that are free and you need more content, there are several live episodes that are at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. And those cost me a couple of bucks, so I charge a couple of bucks. There's also a storytelling album there that you can listen to some stories that I did live. And there are 17 free episodes before the Dork Forest was pre-recorded. So the audio isn't very good, but the guests were super funny and fun and dorky. So if you want to do that, go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Other than that, let's see if there are other things that I should be talking about. Possibly uh, the merch. Yeah, if you want to buy merch. The only other thing I want to talk about is the merch. You can get Dork Forest t-shirts. Uh, and you can get stand-up comedy t-shirts. You can get my albums or my DVD over at JackieCation.com slash merch. There's pins. There's a challenge coin. There's a bunch of new things happening over there. Anyway, a lot of information. I think, I don't think I've missed anything, but who cares? Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Boy, am I not in my living room. And you're not in my living room. Steve Mandel, welcome back to the program. I am also not in your living room. You are not in my living room. Um, we are remote. We're staying safe. We're hunkered down. We're separate but equal, right? 
Right. I'll see if I can manage not to touch my face for an hour. Right. Uh, Brown versus uh, as I touch my face. Uh, That's exactly (laughs) what it led to. I'm inside your mind, (laughs) Keishan. I had to do it, man. And but here's a scoop. Where we're at here is um, I need. First of all, it's negative Steve. N e g a t i v s t e v e. So negative without an e on the end before the word Steve. Negative Steve, and that's your Twitter handle. And you have known Andy Ashcraft for a thousand years. Uh, approximately, yeah. Right. And we have known each other for probably fifteen years now. Yeah, half a half of a thousand years. Half of a thousand years. You half named my album. This will make an excellent Horcrux. It is one of my what what uh, a memory that uh, that I have of you. And then you started doing stand up comedy, and I was like, "What's happening?" And then it turned out <laughs> you were always funny, and it turns out you could also do stand up comedy. So that's uh, that was a relief to all of us, I think. You were I, I I don't know if inspiration is the right word, but you were the first uh, comedian that I met in the wild. So it's kind of oh. These are actually human beings and <laughs> the people that can just go up and do that and not, and right. then you patiently answered all of my uh, noob questions. Right. And there's also the fact that you're like, oh, I mean, the, what, the weird thing is, is, is sometimes you meet people and you're like, well, if they can do it, what's happening? I could do this. <laughs> I could at least try and see if I like it. That's my thing. I'm like, might as well give it a shot, right? Sure. Anyway, I want you to dork out at me about monsters. That's what I've decided that you should dork it because you're like a diamond. You have many facets of dorkdoms. I am. Yeah. I have very little facets of non dorkdom. (laughs) Oh, I like that. It's uh, but what I will say is that um, I don't know anything about monsters, right? right? Like I know, I know that there are monsters. Like there's, 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 there's been monsters in literature and fiction forever. And I guess we should we should specify fictional monstrous monsters and not just horrible human beings. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Let's totally do fictional because uh, non-fictional, too real, too real. Maybe right. maybe that's why it was never my dorkdom is I kept meeting real monsters and I'm like <laughs> that guy reminds me of Doctor Jekyll or Mister Hyde. Can't remember. And, and, and generally, I think one of the things that has always attracted me to monsters are, are the the best monsters are always sympathetic. They're uh, the misunderstood. Oh, you know, your, your Quasimodo's, your Frankenstein's, your Godzilla's, you know, they don't want to hurt anybody. They're just right. trapped in a world they never made, to quote Howard the Duck. <laughs> Ooh, Howard the Duck. Is he a monster? I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess the, the, the definition of monster is kind of nebulous. Yeah. You know, if we're, you know, we're, we're putting uh, Godzilla and uh, Slobodan Milosevic in the same category of monster. Yeah. Uh, but they're completely separate. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's put those separate because because Howard the Duck is actually a person sort of in his own right, right? Yeah, he he comes from a planet of ducks, so he is he is not he is just basically a normal guy on in, in his home. But when he came to our Earth, he was uh, outsider. I'd say that's probably right. better than other uh, than monster. Right, right. So I think yeah, he came from a place where he wasn't even. Remarkable looking because he was, it was like it was a planet entirely of ducks. Yeah, it was as the sentient Earth D. Oh, really? Uh, that's, well, no, uh, Marvel because Marvel doesn't use letters. Marvel uses numbers, but it's effectively Earth D. Earth, uh, I want it to be Earth D now. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, who are 
how did you get into monsters? Let's do that. Let's start at the beginning of Steve Mandel's um, life. As a child, I mean, some of my earliest memories, my dad is an engineer, so he kind of adopted some nerdery. Right. So we used to watch um, Star Trek reruns every weekend before, you know, it would show on KTLA in Los Angeles mm-hmm. at five. Right. So we would watch Star Trek and then have dinner after that. Okay. And so that got my interest in science fiction. I started reading, you know, whatever magazines or books I could come across at the library. And uh, that, you know, it's like famous Monsters of Filmland was a big one. And that got my, my, my interest in a lot of the classic monsters here. Do you do you have favorite Star Trek monsters from the from the from the original TV show? Um, I always liked uh, I don't remember the the exact name. He went by Red Jack. He was like this psychotic spirit that had, had inhabited Jack the Ripper and just continued to inhabit people and make them go crazy. Oh, was that in that wasn't in Next Trek, right? That was, that was in, classic Trek. That was classic Trek. OK. Um, I, 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 I come from, you know, as, as we said, a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. there was a time before next generation and, ENG, right <laughs> before next generation. And I, that's so weird because I watched so much original Star Trek as a child that you would think I would remember. I remember the Jack the Ripper episode, but I didn't remember him, um, occupying other people. I don't rem- I don't know if maybe we didn't get the full series in syndication because I have distinct distinctive memories of several episodes and then no memories of other episodes. Right. Right. I think that they played the same. Th- I mean, there were only three seasons, right? Right. So what is that? 60 episodes ish? 73, I want to say. OK, I feel like they played the same 35 over right. and over and over again. It's the greatest hits package. Yeah. Yeah. More than anything else. And then. So and and then you decide to read about about the classic monsters. Right. And that's how I got into. And then, you know, they would show monster movies a lot on, um, you know, local channels. So I got to see Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Do you know, um, I I digress, but in Milwaukee on Friday nights, Elvira would host um, a monster movie a week. Right. And it was, right. and they would always play that song and they'd show the bride of Frankenstein. You are so beautiful. <laughs> I do me. not remember that. You do or do not? Well, no, because I, I remember watching Elvira more as a teenager when uh, uh, salient, prurient interests uh, started coming in. <laughs> but I don't remember her. What do you mean, Steve? Any, any, what, I'm um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I kid. That's a separate dorkdom entirely. We won't. That's a. That's a dorkdom we all have. That dork (laughs) forest after dark. (laughs) Yes. But uh, yeah, I seem to remember Elvira not showing you know your mainstream movies or your well-known movies. She would show you know obscure Italian giant scorpion movies or the green slime from outer space stuff like that. Right. They could get for cheap or public domain. Because it was on you, um, it, it was on Channel Eighteen, which was the UFC, you, whatever the UHF. UHF. Yeah, right. that's it. We had to go to the second dial. I saw your your dial motion. There was my 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 hand twitching as I'm trying Reminder, to. Reminder: thousand years old. <laughs> exactly. No remote, and um, yes. Oh, we had remote. It was my little brother. Oh, I Michael, was... go change you to Channel Thirteen. <laughs> It's I was I was the youngest, so I was the remote. Jackie, go go turn on channel eighteen, and so I did. Go turn it up. Go turn it down. Don't make the the dial go too fast. Remember how you were, and they're like, no, no, you're gonna break the dial. 
and the other the other problem which i assume you had as well is because i had two siblings a lot of times we would have to jockey for for channel time so i couldn't see like elvira or some of the weird monster movies i wanted to see because you know my sister didn't like them how did you do that how was the, how what was the social contract um we would generally just take turns okay we we had to call time. it oh no, yeah, we were a little bit more democratic than that. So dad had ultimate veto power. Ultimate because, veto power. Yeah. yeah, both parents. Both parents had ultimate veto power. And, and there, there were certain things that like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Wizard of Oz were the two things that everyone in the family could agree on. Right. So they were, if they were on, we were watching. Didn't matter what else was competing. Right. Nancy did not have a horse in the race of, of what was on television, she, but she did have a certain part of the couch that she was like, you can't actually sit there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all had assigned seating. Yeah. Uh, oh, we, we did not have a, there was too many of us to have assigned seating. <laughs> the, uh <laughs> They uh, they also had veto power on the assigned seating, and I remember on Friday because on Friday nights the monster movies would play, but I always wanted to watch Tarzan because the Tarzan movies played for like a year, all of the Johnny Weissmuller ones, and then um, but my if my dad was home on a Friday night, uh, he would be like, "No, there's boxing," and then for some reason we all had to watch boxing. Ugh, well, I, I guess I, I loved it. I lucked out in that regard, and that my parents were not big sports fans, so. We never had to, you know, interrupt a monster movie on Sunday afternoon for for football. Right. I don't think I ever. Saw, I think I saw a vampire movie in the theater once in like the early seventies. Did you? Were there any of the monster movies that were too scary for you when you were little? Um, I guess I never. I never got to see any of the R-rated movies until uh, you know we got a, a VCR. Like when I was 15, I think, 15 or 16. Oh, then. So by that time, I was fine to watch. In New York. beforehand, um, for me, I never found any. My sister, one year, we, uh, my mom and her mom are both huge uh, mystery and suspense fans. So we would watch Alfred Hitchcock movies whenever they were on. Okay. Um, so one, uh, one time as a family, we got together and watched a little film called The Birds. And my sister screamed and screamed and still has a phobia to this day. About birds. I think I, there's several, these aren't, these weren't monsters. Were the birds monsters in that movie, do you think? They, they, they were effectively monsters. Um, as a group, my, right? As a group. They just started attacking. That's kind of one of my favorite tropes in a, in a horror movie is um, no origin. They just, one day, the birds turned against humanity. <sighs> And uh, there was never any explanation or any reason. And I think that kind of amplifies the terror. Yeah. There is a a magic spell or a, uh, you know, an experimental device that, you know, okay, that explains it. That gives me reassurance that there is a solution. Right. You know, you can't find that. If all of a sudden these things just start attacking for no reason, there's no solution. There's no hope. Right. How are you supposed to stop it? You get you. There's no control that that is is control kind of an issue with monsters or Um, for some. Yeah. Control and containment. Yeah. So so the birds, how did the birds spoiler alert? How did the how did the birds end? How did how did we fix it? Did anyone Um, fix it? I don't. If I remember correctly, we. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't think it was it was solved. There was actually a sequel that nobody saw. Oh, interesting. It was like one of those sequels 30 years later, straight to video. Okay. Uh, where the birds have just been waiting, silently waiting. There was also Birdemic, which is uh, 
a separate. What was Burdemic that? Is one of those. It's kind of up there with the room in one of the modern so bad it's it's good cult films. Okay. What? It, it was I think Australian or New Zealand film. Um, bird emic. Like bird birdemic bird, like pandemic right with birds instead of pans. <laughs> um, and and it's just it's you know just very amateur awful effects awful dialogue and just hilariously bad and uh were there a lot of birds were people were, pecked to well, death there were a lot of um pixels that looked like birds okay kind of, like, all right and uh so uh so your your kid were there favorite did were there favorite ones like what are your yeah let's get into the favorite ones well, of the monsters um there is a point in every young boy's life where he starts learning about and getting into dinosaurs oh yeah it's usually and, toddlers uh i was like uh elementary school like i think fifth five six seven somewhere okay. in there yeah yeah and um so i was learning about dinosaurs and i was homesick one day in flipping channels and i saw a film about a little guy called godzilla <laughs> And oh. that spoiled me for dinosaurs forever. Because what's the point of a dinosaur if you can't spit atomic fire? Oh, interesting. So the real the reality of dinosaurs was ruined for you by the fiction of Godzilla. Right. Wow. Did you which Godzilla was it? Do you know? Or do you remember? Um, I, I remember it being a movie called Destroy All Monsters, but I'm not sure if that's time appropriate. I might be. I think that might have been a little after, and I might just be kind of juxtaposing okay but that's always kind of been my favorite because that's just a royal rumble of giant monsters <laughs> is it yeah it is it is basically all of the monsters that had godzilla had met up to that point plus a couple of other monsters from other franchises that got thrown in and i'm sure there's a plot but it's just basically a giant uh it, it's just a button mash of of, yeah, of, of exactly. monsters just a, a button mash of monsters that's a good plural noun <laughs> what was uh who were the who were the monsters in destroy all monsters i wonder um well godzilla okay and uh godzilla's eternal enemy or main enemy is a guy named Ghidorah or king Ghidorah who is a three-headed golden dragon that spits lightning out of his heads. What? He was he was the villain in the most recent Godzilla film that came out a couple years ago, last year, two years ago. Okay. And, and then uh, Godzilla had his buddies, uh, Mothra and Rodan. Mothra is a giant moth. <laughs> Rodan is a pterodactyl. Oh, flies. Uh, is the moth fly? The moth flies. Okay. Um, Minya, who is Godzilla's son, and just kind of looks like uh, the Grimace. Okay. <laughs> yes. There, uh, there was a guy named I, I shouldn't I shouldn't give uh, genders to monsters. There was a creature named Manda, who is just like a giant serpent. Manda. Manda. Okay. Like like panda with an M. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm. That's six I'm, monsters. Yeah, there were more. I need to go back and did they break into teams? Um, originally, I think initially it was kind of each monster was at its own location. I think there were aliens were controlling the monsters and making them attack. Okay. And then King Ghidorah became the big bad. So in the end, everybody teamed up against him. Okay, and who? Wh what is uh, who, who made uh, Ghidorah a king? Do we remember? Um, I think, you know, I think he just said so and nobody said otherwise. Well, that's, I mean, and you can didn't check his bloodline or anything. No, no, there's no, uh, the, the blue blood of, of monsters. What does Ghidorah look like? 
He is uh, basically a three-headed dragon. Oh, that's right. He's the gold yeah. three-headed dragon. He's, he's winged, so he flies. Oh, he's got all the he's got all he's got the all powers. Of them. That's, he's he's got to be really tough to to fight against everybody else. Right, because he can look in three directions at once, at least. Right. And does each head blow lightning? Each head blows lightning. Okay. I think the transition from because at some point Godzilla defeats him and rips off some of his heads, and then they are replaced in later movies with cybernetic or robotic heads. Oh, by so some sort of evil King Ghidorah. Okay. That is hilarious. Um, and so these aren't particularly scary movies, right? With the monsters, they're just um, more. If, if you go back and rewatch the original Gojira. Um, which is the Japanese G O J I R A. Okay. Um, that holds up very well. And that was just God, uh, Godzilla emerging from the sea and stomping around Japan. Okay. And that is very scary. And that holds up very well. Um, when they brought it over to America, they didn't have any faith in the source material. So they spliced in um, Raymond Burr. Ironside, right? As um, as a, as an American reporter, so we we had somebody that we could identify with, and right. so that kind of dilutes it a little bit. It's just basically you know white guy giving exposition. I saw that Tom Cruise uh, movie once where the white guy uh, taught the Japanese how to fight with swords. Did you ever see oh, that I one? That was a, see that one. That was a different was, kind of monster. It was an error. It was an error <laughs> in film filmmaking, and uh, so. Um, so there's all of those. What a, a fun piece of trivia about the original Godzilla. When they added Raymond Burr, his character's name was uh, reporter Steve Martin. Oh. So in 1984, they tried to re they, they rebooted the, uh, the franchise in Japan. Okay. They decided to bring it over to America and add the character back in for you know continuity's sake. Right. But by that time, there was another guy named Steve Martin who you may have heard of. I have I heard he, of him. I think he was a figure skater. He was a he was a very famous figure skater. So if you watch that movie, they never say his name directly. It's always "Hey Steve" or "Hey Mr. Martin." Oh, okay. Because they can't use the full name. <laughs> right, because it's weird. Because it's just going to take everyone out of the movie. Like because saying "Hey like, Steve" isn't good. Much be. like Americans can't watch a movie that doesn't have a white character in it. They also get confused if there are two people in existence with the same name. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of the, the learning curve right now is uh, is super steep, and but we can do it. We can do it. And uh, I'm on the curve, Jackie. That seems to be the watchword. <laughs> that does seem the. Ooh, let me write that down actually, because uh, I think that that would make an excellent um, punchline on my steep curve joke. Uh, <laughs> flatten the curve. Um, uh, anyway. Um, there we go. Hi. Uh, we've taken a small break, you guys, to, uh, <laughs> to me to think about stand-up comedy. Let's, so you, your, your monster love is mostly these giant dinosaur-y kind of looking monsters. Well, not, um, and I had a, a, a kind of a secret ally in my monster watching with my mom. My mom is not really into it, but her brother, um, his favorite movie of all time is King Kong. Oh. And they would tell stories of going to a very tense um, Yankee. I think it was a Yankees game when they were kids. And then Howie making them leave early so we could go home and watch King Kong on television. Oh, cause it was, I, it was in the, it was in the TV guide and it was pre uh, VCR. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I don't know a lot about King Kong. I saw a sort of a terrible, I think it was Kong Island. Um, Kong Skull Island was great. I'm so sorry. It was an amazing movie called <laughs> Kong Skull Island. What was the first the first King Kong? He was he was on and he was holding the lady, right? Right. What was when was and that made? That was what like that was the 30s, I believe. 36, I want to say. Okay. I'm sure someone is uh, screaming into their headphone. Sure. But um, or. Uh, yeah, and that's again. That was kind of my my one of the other tropes I like of the misunderstood monster. Okay, where Kong is just hanging out on Kong Island, having a good old time. The natives, uh, he protects the natives from other monsters. Oh, does he? The natives uh, feed him and, and worship him, and then Americans come and kidnap him and bring him to Broadway because that's what we need <laughs> on Broadway. I almost a had a spit take. <laughs> I forgot that I was drinking. Um, not making any of this up. Uh, yeah, and so um, Kong kind of tries to tries to tries to do tries to gives it the good the good try, and eventually his bestial nature takes over. He gets freaked out by, you know, flash photography and people screaming at him, and he breaks out and he kidnaps the lady and crawls up the Empire State Building. And then but this isn't his fault. He's a giant gorilla that you put on Broadway, what did you expect? Right. I don't know how you don't introduce a giant gorilla into the plot and have him not kind of go berserk and start picking things up. But right. So he was just on Kong Island. He was just hanging. Yeah. Okay. So then he's discovered. He's essentially tranquilized and dragged off to New York um, to, to become a star. And uh, I don't remember... I think I I feel like I you know what I don't think I've ever seen King Kong the original King Kong how does that end does it end poorly for Kong it ends poorly um it is the uh you know he's the you've, you you mentioned you know the the infamous scene or the the iconic scene of him on Empire State Building kind of yeah. swatting down planes biplanes if I remember correctly yes because again 1936 right ish. Um, and then he eventually, uh, I'm, I'm going to spoil this. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, he eventually just falls off, falls off the building and hits, hits Broadway and dies. And they're like, oh, well, our, our, our airplanes got him. No, it wasn't the planes. It was beauty that killed the beast. Oh, was it beauty that killed? He was, in he, he was in love with Fay Ray. That's right. He was in love with Fay Ray, which is weird. Um, the, they never really address the fact. I mean, I suppose it's, it's, you know what it is? It's another Raymond Burr. They're like, well, why isn't there a white lady that you're going to want to dress in a filmy dress? Right. Pre Hayes code. And uh, so what, why, what did she do for a living? I'm just curious. How did she, she meet King Kong? She was an actress. They did not, uh, the, the the party that they did not originally intend uh, set out to kidnap King Kong. They just intended to. They'd heard about this mysterious island in the uh, in the tropics where uh, there you know this this strange god lives. And so there was basically a film crew, and she was an actress, and they were just going to intend to film some scenes there, try to get some footage of this monster, and then wrap Geraldo it up. and the safe. Okay, so it was like yes. an old timey <laughs> reality <Except> TV. <laughs> <laughs> Except the safe had much more than they had than Geraldo got. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so um, she was with them on the original island. Right. Oh. And that gets a little um that th those scenes get a little hard to watch in the 21st century because a little uh 
you know, Rudyard Kipling, white man's burden kind of, oh, look at the savages. You know, oh, savage oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's um yeah, there's there's movies all over the twenties, thirties, forties, and I think the fifties. Nope, even um, today. Uh having having recently watched Police Academy, yeah, through the eighties. Through the eighties, possibly the nineties. Uh I think, yeah, there's there has been a and and I'm sure at the time this is always funny to me because I because I know that Bing Crosby was always he he wanted to book black actors and actresses right it was always he was like how can we get people into these movies and get them some work but there there was only two roles right there was like right um, Satchmo was in the musical version of the Philadelphia Story um, High Society and he just played a trumpet player a narrator but. Um, but I remember in Holiday Inn, you know, it was just Mamie, right? It was just the actress right. who played his housekeeper. And so... I, I was flipping around uh, Turner Classics a couple of years ago, and there was a Bob Hope movie. It was, I want to call like Ghost Breakers or Ghost Chasers or Spook Chasers, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was basically Bob, Bob Hope and his, uh, his black manservant um, you know, investigating ghosts. Sidekick? Uh, uh, at, at the best? It was like worse than that. Butler. Butler. Fantastic. Uh, unpaid intern, maybe. <laughs> unpaid I don't know if those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was kind of, and even as it was not overt. I mean, they weren't, they weren't using bad words and they weren't abusing him, but just some of the lines that were considered, you know, still acceptable in those days or right. some and of the jokes were really cringy. Cringy. And, and I bet you how they wrote the character. Like, I'm sure there was a fair amount of mugging that that guy was expected oh, yeah. to do. Yeah. Boo. Anyway, live and learn people. As we're moving along, we're going to let You've people be the humans. Monsters to the real monsters. Exactly. Yeah. We waded off into real monsterhood. So, um, yeah. So there's all those movies. There's the Godzilla's the King Kong. Who else? Um, when I was, uh, I don't remember when this came out. I think nine, I think it was 79. Uh, it's a little film called Clash of the Titans that I'm guessing you've probably seen. I loved Clash of the Titans at the time. I remember it was that claymation though. It was the, it, and that was a guy named Ray Harryhausen. Okay. And I read about him in one of these magazines and kind of went backwards from here because he was one of the classic, uh, the classic claymation stop motion animators. Did he do Jason and the Argonauts too? Yes, he did. Okay. He did Jason and the Argonauts. He did a couple of Sinbad movies. Okay. Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Which, oh. if I remember correctly, did not have monsters, but it had flying saucers, so that's almost as good. Right. <laughs> and um, but but he did uh, um, Clash of the Titans. I remember Perseus had to fight Medusa. He had to fight Medusa, but as, that was uh, as he always has. Right. <laughs> Um, but that was uh, the infamous release the Kraken and you had the giant Kraken. Oh, right. That would come out of the. the yeah. Way. Yeah. And, you know, and all sorts of uh, there was uh, I forget the name Bubo, I think the little clockwork owl. Oh, right. And there was a, a sadder looking guy. Oh, right. Uh, also, uh, the first time young Steve saw nudity in, on, in a movie. So that's great. Interesting. Interesting. I think I accidentally saw a free range boob at the drive-in uh, at a movie that my parents didn't know that we were going to see. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, well, we're watching it. We're here. 
Drive-ins were not designed for large families. Even the five of us, my parents took us to see Star Wars in the drive-in, and it was such a bad experience. They had to take us back to see Star Wars in a movie theater. Seven times. Uh, I remember Nancy Keisha took me to see Star Wars, and I was like, I have to see it again. She was like, I'd see it again. And then we went again and saw it, and I was like, I have to see it again. And she's like, oh, I'm done. Uh, and then <laughs> I had to take the bus to see it myself at 12, um, which felt like bad parenting. But uh, but uh, in the end, I lived. So we, you know, I mean, yeah, I did. Um, before I could drive, my brother and I would take the bus to go around to see whatever films we wanted to see over the summer. Yeah. And again, uh, probably not the best parenting, but we lived. Everyone lived. Um, so the people who didn't live, well, they're not telling the tales. It's <laughs> dead children tell no tales. What? That seems dark. Well, I don't know. Do you guys have a Ouija board? <laughs> we do. That's a Hell- that was one of the first gifts I bought for Andy was a Hellboy Ouija board, which oh, he could nice. not have been more confused about. He was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do with this, he said. Yeah, so, well, how does Hellboy use a Ouija board with that giant hand? <laughs> Well, that's the that's well that's a Ouija board that really works. It's not it's not being worked from beneath. Okay. So whatever. Um, who um, I'm I'm trying to think because the only monsters I can think of are sort of the there is a monster movie I love and it's the uh, not not uh, it's Abbott and Costello. Oh, the Abbott and Costello movies. Uh, the ones that I've seen have all been great. They meet uh, monsters. They- they meet most of the universal monsters. So I think they met Frankenstein, they met Dracula, they met the Invisible Man, they might have met a mummy and a werewolf. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. Them. And oh. those held up, I mean, because I never really, I always thought of Abbott and Costello as other than who's on first kind of hacky. But oh. I watched that one Halloween, and yeah, that holds up really well, and it was really fun. Yeah, they're really fun. And, um, and they never scared me as much as sort of like, I once saw a vampire, I think it was, and it was supposed to be funny. This is where a lot of scary movies lose me because I'm, they're sold to me as comedies. And then it turns out they're also terrifying. Uh, the, what was the, um, it was, it was, was a vampire a George, movie. George Hamilton played a, a Dracula, like, uh, I don't I'm blanking on the name now, but in like the seventies, early eighties, he did, uh, uh, a Dracula movie that was supposed to be a comedy. And it was and pretty scary. I don't remember it being sc- The one scene I remember was the, the Van Helsing character shows up while Dracula's on a date <laughs> and is like, ah, I've caught you now and shoots him in the chest with a silver bullet. And Dracula just looks at him and is like, yeah, silver bullets are for werewolves. Asshole. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I have to say that this one was called like the night of the Hunter or was it, it was like, I feel like it was with Buscemi or somebody. It was like with somebody, it was terrifying. It was in the early 2000s oh, or late nineties. Oh, uh, is that the one with uh, Nosferatu? Yes. And it was okay. a silent film, silent yeah. film version it, it, of. It was the, 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 the what if uh, the guy that played in the original silent film was actually a vampire? Yes. Yeah, that was less funny and more scary than it was made out to be. Oh, my God, I couldn't sleep all night. I made the mistake of watching it, first of all, in Twilight Times. You don't watch I don't can't read anything scary or watch anything as the sun sets. Um, so uh, let's see, movie. I can't remember. Um, 
that was uh, Eddie Eddie Izzard was in that, if I remember correctly. Oh right, right. I think Eddie Izzard was in it. It's um, like Shadow of the Shadow Vampire. of the Vampire, two thousand. There we go. And uh, I I've That's only seen actually. scary movies accidentally, and uh, <laughs> it's never in real life that I've that I've that I've been able to choose. But that one was incredibly well done. I thought. Well, Did you see that the, one. The, I, I saw it a while. I saw it on VHS. Okay. Well, just, that gives you. A, so I did see it and I did enjoy it, but I remember very little about it. And to be honest, uh, there may have been some marijuana involved. That'll happen. It's legal now. Live it up. Uh, I don't know well, where you are. Maybe. <laughs> Let's say that you were here when it happened, okay. and uh, or wherever you were in Jamaica, and then you watched Shadow of the Vampire, where it's legal. I would always take you know, quick trips to Jamaica to watch weird films. Whenever you wanted to smoke weed back in 2000, you would fly to Amsterdam and say to yourself, I need a cup of coffee, some chocolate, and I need to see the what Augie Smith calls the saddest attic in the world. And um, <laughs> so, speaking of monsters, but... Yeah, so, but Dracula movies... Oh, I don't know. Did you ever read that Deadpool when he was married to um, the monster well, lady, I read part of that run. Mm-hmm. I kind of that was, I think, in the middle of uh, when I after I rage quit. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was it was it was after um, Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan stopped writing it together, and it was just Jerry right. Duggan. And Jerry Duggan, one of my favorite scenes was Deadpool meets. Uh, there's, I, I guess, the dark side of the moon is populated with vampires. Yeah. And um, so Dracula goes, uh, so Deadpool goes there and he's like, why are there so many Draculas here? And they're like, we're not all named, Dra- that's a guy. And he's like, <laughs> you, I'm sick of you, Draculas. And, and, and so, it, I mean, it's a recurring joke that made me laugh every time. <laughs> so I've always liked um, Jefferson Twilight, I think his character's name is on the Venture Brothers. Okay. Who is the Blackula hunter. Yes. And again, Blackula is a specific character, but it's just kind of in this context. It's like, oh, yeah, black vampires. Right. He only hunted. He was a black man who hunted black vampires. It was uh, it was it was that was a great uh, Dr. Venture kind of um, introduction to some monsters, monsterhood. Are there was there a good werewolf movie? I've always been kind of drawn to the werewolves. Um, I mean, the original werewolf movie is really good with, um, I think that was Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. What was that one called? Uh, the werewolf. Oh, the Wolfman. okay. Um, and again, that is kind of, um, the misunder, not misunderstood, but you know, it wasn't his fault. He was, he got this curse, I think by being scratched by another werewolf. So he spent, all of his life trying to find a way to either reverse his werewolfness, his wolfiness, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or kill himself. Wow. And he kind of, this was the original shared cinematic universe because he started showing up in other movies. So he was like consulting with Dr. Frankenstein to, oh. to see if they could find a cure. And so he met Frankenstein and he met Dracula. Okay. So did because Dracula did Dracula was he misunderstood or did he choose to become? I don't know if he chose to be become, um, but uh, I mean, in the in, in, in legends, he was a horrible. He was Vlad the Impaler. That's right. So he was just this horrible character from history, and he was cursed to become this monster. Um, so he never really shows. He he never shows any remorse. He's just after our women and our blood. <laughs> 
I have to say that the the misunderstood monster seems to be a denial of accountability, but or or just sort of a growing up, and you're like, well, I need to take a, take a, a you know control of my own life, and I'm going to try to change this bad part of myself. That that narrative kind of sounds interesting. I think a lot of it is more um, fish out of water. Okay. You know, um, Frankenstein. You know, Frankenstein was created in a, in a lab, and mm. he gets out somehow. And wanders around, and you know he doesn't know. You know, a he's terrifying just to look at him, and b he you know he kills a small child at some point because he doesn't know any better. Oh, interesting. Is there that is what a, was that the original Frankenstein movie, or I believe that was in the original. There's a scene where he meets this little girl, and they start playing by a lakeside, mm-hmm. and she starts ripping um, petals off of a flower and throwing them into the lake, and then they kind of fade to black. So the assumption is, uh, oh, yeah, Frankenstein just murdered her and threw her in the lake because he thought that's what they were doing. Oh, he's like he ripped off her legs and arms or like the implication was that he yeah. started pulling her yeah. apart or something. Ah! Uh, yeah. that. Did you ever read Frankenstein? I did. Huh. I read uh, Frankenstein and Dracula in high school. OK. Were they... Um, were they good? I mean, I know they're classics. Did you did you enjoy them? They were both, they were both good. They're both significantly different than the classical uh, movies are. Okay. Movies both kind of took elements from from the books and but made them their own stories. Okay. Whereas there have been more faithful adaptations of both books, and neither of none of them have ever done well commercially. Okay, because. But it was because supposedly Frankenstein was was one of the first monster movies. I mean, I suppose what was uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, but uh, well, the Dracula and Nosferatu, I believe. Well, um, yeah, I don't I don't know that much about the silent era. There were a few monster movies in the silent era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I've seen was The Golem, which is uh, based on traditional Jewish folklore. About a monster in traditional uh, Jewish. What would what did the golem do? He was basically uh, he was uh, protecting the uh, protecting the Jew the oppressed Jews in uh, I want to say Warsaw ghetto. Oh, like he was basically a giant cre- a clay creature that a rabbi animated, and he went around killing. I guess this was this was pre Nazis. Oh, weird. So. Um, as we know uh, from history, uh, the Jews have been persecuted in Warsaw for a thousand years. Right. So, um, so it was created. Not just Warsaw, it turns out not just Warsaw. It's true. We could right think globally, uh, <laughs> act locally. That's what people always want who want to oppress do. <laughs> And I don't think that was <laughs> that was intended, but that's how it worked. That is how it worked. Um, so, but the golem has been around. Did wasn't it pre like Black Death and and um or pre like I think it was created in the the ten hundreds or eleven hundreds right or didn't it Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I don't know when it entered into folklore. I, I haven't really done the research on that, but uh, it's been around forever. Yeah, uh, it's. I learned about it, of course, through a comic book because uh, the Invaders, uh, Captain America, Submariner, Human Torch met a golem in Warsaw in the 40s. Okay, that is awesome. Let Yeah, I like the idea of talking about sort of, do you read much horror now or monster comic books or books or, I mean, would you would you consider monster, the, the monster 
the genre as horror or is it um, does it cross yeah, I, I've had, I think it's a subsection of horror again i don't know where i mean much like we're not sure what can constitutes a monster horror is anything that i think that is intended to scare you yeah so yeah monsters are, are generally you know, lumped in with horror but they don't have a they don't share you know like um a Frankenstein movie doesn't share a lot in common with, say, a, a Freddy Krueger movie or a Hannibal Lecter movie. Right, because sometimes it's tension and sometimes it's just a, a monstrous looking uh, kind of being. Right, and, and sometimes it's just buckets and buckets of blood. and Buckets yeah. of blood. Did you see the new Invisible Man movie? Um, no. I have not. I, I, uh, I heard it was pretty scary. Um, yeah. But I I like the idea of there being. Did you ever the only, the the last monster movie I saw was not a, a horror movie. Was not uh, scary at all. It was uh, there was tension, but it was not. Um, it was not. I don't think created a scare. It was called Colossal, and it was that Anne oh, Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, yeah. Those monsters that, were cool looking. Right, but in that one, in that one, the monsters were not the monsters. The monsters were the human beings. Which is often the case in these. Oh, how? Which ones are like that? Oh, well, sort I mean, of like, like the Wolfman, like Frankenstein. Frankenstein is an innocent, and he is he is set upon because he looks different and can't articulate. And, and you know, so a lot of times it is um, the invisible. Well, I guess the Invisible Man is weird because he's a monster and a human, right? Um, it doesn't but, use his powers for good. Picture from the Black Lagoon is another good example. Because he's just a dude. He's, um, you know, he's swimming around in his lagoon, minding his own business. And these explorers come and find him and start, you know, basically just poke, poke, poke. <laughs> poking me. Poke, poke. All right. I'm going to do something about it now. Okay. That's a <clears throat> creature from the, 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 the swamp, the Black Lagoon. Where is right. the Black Lagoon? Do we know geographically? Uh, Where did it start? Remember. I want to say South America. Okay. That's interesting. I like that there's different, because um, a lot of this stuff seems to happen in Eastern Europe. Right. Can you well, Eastern Europe is that's where the you know the Dracula myth came from. I think Frankenstein was set in Eastern Europe just because it was written by Europeans. Like yeah, Eastern Europe is is pretty creepy. Let's use that. <laughs> right. I think. Uh, did you ever see Werewolf in London? That movie. Uh, American Werewolf in London. That's it. That is that is one of the the classics of modern horror. Was it horrible? Because I never saw it because it looked scary. Uh, it was scary. It was very. It was scary, but with comedic elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, how they, that's how they get you. Go ahead. Yeah, John Landis directed it, and he oh. has you know experience in in both worlds. So, like um, the one of the the comedic element is the uh, when he first turns into a werewolf, he kills his buddy that he's backpacking through Europe with. And his buddy, you know, turns up as a ghost and and continues to haunt him. But since he's a ghost, he can be a smart ass. There's no repercussions. <laughs> and then it's kind of fun. Just a little detail is you see him decaying further and further as the movie goes along. As a ghost? As a ghost. Oh, so, so he's sort of dissipating. Right. Well, it just, it, it's almost like his ghost represents his corpse. Oh, so, He's getting grosser and grosser, even in ghost form. <laughs> That's kind of a nice twist. Who yeah. who wrote American Werewolf in London? Do we know? Uh, might have been John Landis as well. I don't remember. Okay. I'm not good with, uh, credits. 
Yeah, yeah, credits are hard. Uh, what about, so we went Black Lagoon. Where did that creature come from? Did that creature come from literature or? No, was he, it... was, he was made full cloth for the movie. Okay. Yeah, because uh, and then Swamp Thing is as as I'm I'm, I'm going I'm going lagoon monsters. <laughs> uh, there's Swamp Thing and there's Man Thing, and I get them mixed up because I don't know anything about either of them. Well, and they 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 were created. They came out virtually the same time from two writers who were roommates. Oh, really? So, uh, there's some weird, and I'm assuming that uh, they were also taking trips to Amsterdam and sm- and smoking the same stuff. Right. Uh, I think I saw. I think I I learned a little bit about. Now, was Animal Man? Is he a Swamp Thing too? I, I feel like he's a DC superhero, yeah, right? Yeah, he, um, he has interacted with the Swamp Thing in the past, but their link is, I think, fairly recent. Maybe like the '90s on. Okay. Where uh, you know DC has kind of established these. Um, there's colors. So the Swamp Thing represents the green, and the green is the plant life. And then Animal Man represents the red, which is the animal life. Oh, because of blood. I think Solomon Grundy was the gray, which is decay and entropy. Ooh. I've never heard of Solomon Grundy. He's, oh, he's a big, he was on the Super Friends. He's a big, he's basically a swamp zombie. He's a big white giant, like looks, you know, albino. Okay. And, in a decaying suit, and he talks like the Hulk without pronouns. Okay. And, you know, just... He's got places to be. He doesn't have time for pronouns and determiners. Sure. I'm supportive. Um, so, and then, so what would you say, like, um, are there, are there, did you like the last two Godzilla movies? I did. I know other people disagree with me. But, but this um, is the dark forest. You can dork out about... Exactly. I, I, I you know, I'm pretty much going to enjoy most any uh, most any giant monster that you put on the screen in front of me uh-huh uh, unless matthew broderick is involved we don't oh. talk about that no that was so weird all you saw was his foot well you saw well that was the problem was it went from a he to a they and so instead of and, and it, it more resembled a jurassic park film than a godzilla film and i think had it been had it been titled something else, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Okay. Because it was called Godzilla. If, you, if you're using a franchise like that, there are certain expectations that come with it. Right. But Mad Max, I got to see a car chase. There right. has to be some vehicles happening. Well, that was, you know, people had problems with the Mad Max movie because it didn't have the 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 the, the charger, whatever the car was, the iconic car. Oh, the, the specific car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, an 18 wheeler. I'm on board. Uh, no, it was, uh, yeah. Mad Max was a Thunder Road was a brilliant, brilliant movie. The but, one with uh, uh, with what's her face? With uh, Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. Oh, yeah. I, I thought uh, t- t- Tina. Oh, that was Beyond Thunderdome. That was yeah. Beyond Thunderdome. OK, so, yeah, Fury Road. I actually it was so funny because one of my brothers said I didn't like uh, Fury Road because it was just they drove out. And then they drove back. And I was like, what did you think it was going to be? They just, <laughs> they drive somewhere and then they drive somewhere else. They might as well come back. That's where all the water is. I mean, that's all Lord of the Rings is. Well, we and walk to this place and we walk over to this place and we walk someplace else. Yeah, yeah. What do you want, Philcation? Would you think of Jurassic Park as a monster movie? Just even though they're dinosaurs? Yeah. 
I guess so. Yeah. I mean, they're a, a monster would be a, a, a dangerous kind of other or an, an, an unknown. And they are so, created without their consent as well. They were created without their consent. But then again, they were the, 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 the dinosaurs were not really the enemies in that it was the humans that released them. The dinosaurs were content to just kind of sit around and chomp on grass. Right. Right. And sort of eat each other and, and, and eat the plant life. And right. yeah, they didn't have it. There was no agenda. That is right. interesting about monsters without an agenda. Cause they are not the bad guys then. Right. Right. Well, and it's, I guess like zombies, um, you know, zombies, are just doing what zombies do, which is trying to feed. Unfortunately, what they're feeding on is us. So they're, it's not their fault, but their agenda is specifically anti-us. Right, right. And, and not on purpose, but just a, by accident. Right. So like, the best, the best uh, monsters are normally aliens because they come generally seeking malice. We are coming to take your water, take your women, subjugate your planet, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't feel I don't feel bad if you you slaughter a whole bunch of aliens because they're bad guys. Okay. You kill a Godzilla. He didn't really mean it. Right, right. You 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 went you went to his house and interrupted his day. That's what you did. So are there uh, I like the first the first of the two Godzillas that have come out recently. There was a really great scene in it that actually. That made me like it even more. I, I don't mind a giant, you know, slugfest, right? Right. There was that one where, what was the, uh, I'm going to digress, but uh, what was the one where you went into the ocean and then there was a portal and there were monsters on the other side of the portal and you had to close that portal? Oh, uh, Pacific Rim. That was it. Pacific yes. Rim was pretty cool. That was really fun. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I mean, that's, you know, giant monsters and giant robots. Right. It was monsters versus robots, essentially. Uh, I mean, the my my gripe about that is that the monsters didn't really have personality. True. Was, I think they all had names, but the the names were more for the selling of the action figures and for the plot of the movie. So it's just basically this really cool robot that we've gotten to know has to go fight a CGI thing. Right. Right. So yeah, you, you would like more personalization in your in your monsters. A little bit, yeah. Sure, I don't, I don't blame you. But uh, in in the first, in the first of the new Godzilla movies, um, there was a great scene on the subway where the where our our character, the uh, the, the our narrator guy that we're following through, right, uh, finds that kid, and they're on the they're on the subway, and he's like, I gotta go fight Godzilla, but I got this kid, and if it were Bruce Willis, you know, if it were a different action movie, he would have handed that kid to a, the closest woman right? and then kept going. Uh, but in this case, he actually found the kid's parent and he didn't stop until he found the parent. And then he went and fought Godzilla. So what we've learned in this episode is that Bruce Willis is the true monster. <laughs> uh, I watched the first Moonlighting again and it actually holds up. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, I need to. I need to I need to rewatch those at some point. But where will I find the time? Where will you find the time? We all have a lot of time. You know what we should have done about 20 minutes ago is another one of those time claps. I wonder oh. if we should do another one now. Let's go to Chrome. And um, when we get to the 10 second mark, is that cool? Time.io. Time.is. Okay, so it's 04 now. So, so 14? Uh, uh, 15. 
15? Yeah. All right. Good. All right. We're pretty synced. We're pretty synced. It's not bad. And um, 53.30 is where we're at. So I have to say that um, this has been kind of fascinating. What what kind of, um, what monsters are, have we not talked about that you want to let me in on? Any? Um, a couple that, that you may or may not enjoy that are, are kind of in the, the PG horror realm is really tough to do to make something scary or entertaining while still not crossing the line that's going to traumatize kids. Okay. Two that I really like. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> and it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, what year of- is that? 89 90 somewhere in there okay so it's in color it's in color sometimes clowns in black and white will scare me more than clowns in color i can see that but uh it's it's basically these aliens that look like clowns um land on earth and start picking up people to eat <laughs> but um it's it's done pg so there's very little blood or gore mm-hmm. and all all of the murders or all of the killing is done clown style so, like, there is a one of my favorite scene where um, a a clown uh, eats a group of people uh, using uh, hand shadows. He's entertaining. They don't before they realize the clowns are evil. What? He's just doing hand shadows on a wall, and at <laughs> one there's a hand shadow of a dinosaur that then swoops down and eats them all. Rawr. Oh, I found this uh, coin behind your ear, and then I'm going to eat your ear. Yeah. Um, wow. So, like, um, when they're chasing after after people, they have uh, they, they twist balloons into dogs, and the dogs become bloodhounds. Oh, my so, God. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's very clever and very inventive, and the guys who did the clown design are uh, fantastic. Okay. And then the other one, kind of in a similar vein, is uh, Tremors. Oh yeah, the Kevin Bacon uh, monster under the under yeah, the land. Worms, uh, graboids in the I think Arizona desert. Graboids. And, yeah, and so that that I think that's the term because they come up and they grab you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's again, it's not very gory. There is some humor to it. The characters are kind of fun, and. Um, uh, again, I, there's they don't they don't know what the origin is. I, don't, I haven't watched a lot of the sequels, so I don't know if they ever established an origin. Right. But it's just and there's actually a great scene where Fred Ward and um, and Kevin Bacon are sitting there waiting, you know, waiting for their trap to spring. And like, so where do you think these things came from? And they both just start throwing tropes from other horror movies back and forth. <laughs> um, Atlantis? Is it alien invasion? Is it you know radiation from Venus? Ooh, Venus. Was there radiation from Venus that created a monster? Uh, that was allegedly the cause of uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. Oh. There's, and I don't know if they ever established it, but um, in one, you know, one of the scenes, there's a, a guy on the, on, in the background on television talking about strange radiation from Venus. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I feel like there are just long boxes of information that we have not even addressed Oh, um, sure. because that just came up in passing and it's fascinating. So uh, there's, here's an example of what I was horrified by as a, as a monster movie, but they weren't monsters is planet of the apes. Sort of like right. Howard the duck. Right. They're just apes that They're happen just, to be the sentient, uh, the main sentient beings on this planet. 
I have always wanted to see, because the, the last three Planet of the Apes movies have done fairly well, and mm -hmm. they were fairly well received. I've always wanted to see Planet of the Humans, which is the horror movie that is made on Planet of the Apes. So it's made by the apes about the... So it's basically a remake of Planet of the Apes, but it's with the apes and the, the roles of the apes and the humans switched. Right, right. Which is, I mean, almost a little bit uh sort of like the the birth of the i mean one of those original it was like when we get to see how apes are treated right. when dogs all die out in in one of the planet of the apes movies that is sort of that movie but i love right. the idea of specifically just changing the perspective and doing that movie that would actually be fascinating and then do you think dune do you think that the sandworms are monsters um, do you think that's a monster really, movie? They're not really the antagonists. I think they're more just kind of local flora and fauna. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, I like it. This has been fascinating. We're almost at an hour here, uh, Steve Mandel. By the way, I was talking to Steve Mandel. You should probably know that. And if you were to go to, um, and I scratch my nose, if we were to go to, um, to Twitter and you could look him up at negative Steve, N-E-G-A-T-I-V-S-T-E-V-E. -E -E. uh, you're doing a show and it'll be gone like off the internet uh, before this. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know the details. So I don't know if it will be archived or not. Right. It's the uh, bird city. Cause you live in Phoenix and, and that is uh, they do a comedy festival called the bird city comedy festival. And um, they're going to do a joke off. Right. It's yeah. It's a one line like a 64, uh, person one-liner kind of they, they do it up in brackets and single elimination i wouldn't be surprised you know there's 50 first jokes every year in new york that that somebody does and it'd be kind of interesting to do a 50 first jokes about the pandemic the the covid19 uh, quarantine uh, no, no more pandemic jokes oh no oh no but uh, i think well that's that's why they that's why they would have to be I mean, and certainly your first joke is not going to be your best pandemic joke. Right. Uh, Kill Martin, we did a show last night, and Kill Martin had some pretty good uh, quarantine stuff. So good for her. Uh, yeah. So it can be done, is what I'm saying. Oh, no, it can be. I just have not seen it very <laughs> It gets lost in the, in the wash of, uh, of, of hilarious masturbation humor. Oh, and, and what excuse could you, did you need? To do one more masturbation joke. Uh, well, the open the open mics are gone, so we got to get our our tick jokes out there somehow. Exactly. It's, uh, but uh, Steve, this has been fascinating and great. Thank you so much for doing the Dork Forest. Of it's course, been a lot of fun. Excellent. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?